0: It's Shake Them Ropes, your wrestling week in review show. My name is Chris Dobambrino. I am joined as always by Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, another light week of watching <laughs> wrestling. Only about twelve to thirteen hours here to cover in the span of an hour. So let's say we get into it. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. I love Tuesday through Thursday. I do. I think. I think all of those are joys to watch. It's the main roster. I'm having a bit, a few issues with it. It's yeah. Monday
0: and Friday, and Friday's yeah. tough
1: because they then they throw in that 2:05 live, and you're like, oh yeah, I got to add, add that extra hour because we used to be completists of the WWE product here. Um, I,
0: I'll let's start with the 2:05 well, live me, thing though, let because let you with, and I have discussed. Okay, let's okay, start with Some ahead. general
1: talk because I had something that I've been saving here for a few days that utterly blew my mind with its simplicity, but it's one of those things now. You remember when we did, uh, for for the Patreon, patreon patreon.com slash Ropes? we did uh, Beyond the Mat. And I said that one of those pieces of uh, media that always sticks with me is how I view WWE is Vince McMahon looking and saying, we make movies. Well, Dave Meltzer this week said something clearly that I've been kicking around the bushes a bit, but haven't really been able to nail in terms of wrestling. And and I'm going to throw this at you. We have plenty of great wrestlers these days. What the products aren't doing is making TV stars. And that just, it, it made me take a bit of back and go, he's exactly right. TV programs, for better or worse, I mean, like when I was in my twenties,
0: In the 90s, you could see wrestlers on TV programs all the time. Uh, For a lot of people, Vader appearing on Boy Meets World was their first engagement with the professional wrestler Vader, and you wanted to go and check him out and see what he was doing.
1: Right. Dusty Rhodes was a TV star. Ric Flair was a TV star because of studio wrestling. Not just because he was a wrestling star, but because it was a television product. And I think what both companies are doing is they're making a live arena experience for television, but they're forgetting it's a television product. Like, I'll give you an example. In my 20s, all of my friends and I could have entire conversations just quoting The Simpsons. You don't get that anymore on live television wrestling. And that's why I've been hitting promos so hard, but it's the why I've been hitting promos so hard. And it's because promos make for interesting television characters as opposed to just interesting professional wrestlers.
0: Well, it's more than that too, right? The promos and a well-done promo serves as an old-school 1990s-style meme. Everything that Stone Cold Steve Austin said, everything that The Rock said— It was fun to say, and you and your friends also wanted to say it, and those become memes and a form of advertisement for wrestling, like, oh, I better make sure that I catch Monday Night Raw here, maybe to a lesser extent, Thursday Night Smackdown, so I can catch the next new clever little nugget that The Rock says. Jeff Jarrett was at least one of the people doing that, right?
1: No, I had an intercom system in my first job, and anytime I'd ask a question on it, I'd always get a response Oh, you didn't
0: know? (laughs) <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, you still will get people copping a little bit of the New Age Outlaws. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I, for a long time, don't worry about the government. I used to open with that, just as like a little reference to my fondness for professional wrestling. Catchphrases and taglines that are actually fun to say that you can actually use. I'm not referring to burn it down. Um, but actual catchphrases that are fun to say, like, your ass better call somebody. That is something that keeps wrestling in the vernacular.
1: Yeah, let's go back even further. though. Let's go back to my childhood and the Dusty Flair territory. It's was about your
0: childhood. This is for your therapist. This is not for Shake Child, Them robes
1: uh, Thank you. But, you know, when, when Ric Flair came out there and said, and, and, you know, this goes to today, too, and the rap culture and athletic culture and their love of Ric Flair, you know, was it high f- Jets, <laughs> high style, or ah, how does it go? But but anytime he'd say, you know, jet flying, limousine riding, wheel kiss dealing, dealing. wheeling, yeah. dealing, son of a gun, that was the character. That was creating the character of Ric Flair on television, as opposed to just the professional wrestler Ric Flair that you'd then pay to go see in the re- arena. Dusty Rhodes, you know, I've wined and dined with kings and queens, and... And, and something, something with pork and beans or whatever. You know, that that's creating that Americana blue collar character of what the American dream Dusty Rhodes is, even though Dusty Rhodes really loved to live the high life and, and usually would try and out Ric Flair, Ric Flair on promos. But you get the character. I mean, it's like building Walter White from episode to episode to episode. I am the one who knocks,
0: you know, those types of things. It's the difference between burn it down and woo. Yes, woo is Burn actually fun to do. People like doing it. Burn it down is it's a thing. chant. Yeah, it's a chant, but it's a chant that has been forced entirely from one direction.
1: Yes, exactly. No, I, and it was just one of those things. And I love Dave. And God, if you want to hear some great audio, listen to uh, Wrestling Observer from Thursday night, Friday morning, where he goes on a fifteen-minute rant about it on his sixtieth birthday about how weights talk to him and stuff like that. It's 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 (laughs) they talk a little bit about on the flagship this week, too. It's just fascinating audio to get in the mind of Dave, who has the attention span of a three year old sometimes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, okay, we'll start on uh, 205 live. Um, Here's the most telling thing about 205 live right now is they took off everybody that was drafted on any main roster show on the intro video. So there's only four guys. It's nothing but like Leo Rush, Oni Lurkin the Bollywood boys and Brian Kendrick on that, on the interest video. They've taken off any other thing. And you're just like, God, this is like a going out of business sale. That's been going on for two weeks and there's nothing there, but they're keeping the store open, hoping to get that last bit of merchandise out. It was it was sad to see.
0: The Cruiserweight Title is now officially the NXT Cruiserweight Title, which has effectively made 205 Live a B show to NXT.
1: Oh, it's it's a C show to NXT.
0: I was being nice.
1: I know, but it's it's like it it was fine. I guess I it wasn't anything particularly interesting other than It looks like they're going to start restocking with your Isaiah Swerve Scots, which I think is a mistake because he was great on NXT this week. And Raul Mendoza, who will appear every two months, and you think they're going to do something with him, and they don't. But Leo Rush as a babyface champ on the microphone is bad.
0: Yes, it's very bad. Uh, He just needs to be allowed to be himself. And instead, he is very much working in a character that no one has fully thought out.
1: I I think he's being himself. I just don't think he's comfortable doing that right now because he's supposed to be a baby face and he's coming off a bit heelish. And and the only things he says is, can I be honest with you? Or, or something to that. He keeps repeating different phrases as if he's getting fed things and he's trying to process them while he's acting as opposed to just kind of being relaxed. You can kind of see the same thing with Bailey when she was on commentary on SmackDown this week. Her and Sasha... We're out there for Nikki Cross's act. And you can see that they're feeding her lines, but she's trying to kind of then get into character and say them. It, it, it's very awkward.
0: Both Leo Rush and Bailey would do good to take notes off of Magnus's performance over on NWA Power or Nick Aldis's performance. Because uh, I think with Leo Rush specifically, they're doing a, a, a very, very cheap, uh, great value brand version of the Nick Aldis storyline, where I think ultimately, Leo Rush um, turns to the dark side here. Uh, and I think that's why they're holding off making him truly endearing. But his performance this week just felt sterile.
1: It's not endearing at all, either. That's what's getting me, Is is it's almost like... I mean, he's ta- on 205, he's talking about his time with Bobby Lashley.
0: Right, right, yeah. And you're like,
1: ooh, no, don't do that. Um, And Brian Kendrick cuts a promo. And I thought, as a performance, it was fine. The content, though, is too breaking the fourth wall for me. When he talks about how to be a professional wrestler, and you'd go and you'd shake hands in the back, and... I, this is my old schoolness talking. I never wanted to know how the sausage was made. I just know that professional wrestlers are separate from normal people. I don't want to know how the business works necessarily in a promo when you're trying to be a character of a professional wrestler.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. What I want to know is the dynamics and the power dynamics, such as they are backstage. If there's a general manager, the general manager and how they book matches and make matches is something well, that should be. Well, he brought
1: up be- Drake. He yeah, brought, he brought up Drake. So, I mean, y- you had that going for it. It was just, to me, it was way too uh, what they used to call working the internet.
0: Yes. In terms sure. of in
1: terms of a, in terms of a promo, it was way too smart for
0: a television product. It's trying to use the dirt sheets as plot points. Yes. And for the standard viewer, that is just not a model that works. It's basically an entire comedy set of inside jokes.
1: No, I would agree. Um the matches themselves were okay this week. I just you know, it just felt like you're watching a problem. This
0: is a problem with WWE wrestling, though, right now, where there are lots of long matches, 10-plus-minute matches that are well-worked matches, but they feel utterly unimportant. And, and I can't remember where I heard Cornette say this, but he had this line that stuck with me all week where it's like, I'm not against longer matches but there has to be a reason for them and I definitely felt like a lot of these longer matches just simply didn't have a justifiable reason to go over 10 minutes before
1: we get to the rest of uh WWE let's gloss over the stuff that we watched that was non-WWE I guess um NWA power hour continues to be possibly my favorite one hour of TV all week
0: yeah yeah I think that's fair Um, to say
1: I love this Joe Gill kid I he is so absolutely, and and you'll appreciate this, wonderbread that he fits right into this stupid world of professional wrestling. I absolutely love his... I'm a reporter, and I'm supposed to ask the tough questions of people. I go, you are so adorable and yet so lost in this world, and I love everything you do.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love it. Joe Galley is trying... Joe Galley, yeah, thank you. He is trying to be this... Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist guy. It's almost remember it's the Southpaw wrestling thing. It it kind of reminds me a little bit of the unironic version of John Cena's character. Yes, yeah, yes. But but in the perfect way where he's such a straight man. Um, and it also allows for Jim Cornette to play off of him because you know, Jim Cornette's the smart older guy who actually understands this business, and Galley is the young kid who wants to do a good job. I, sir, I think it makes I am that trying
1: worth. to do my, sir. I am trying to do my job here and I am a reporter and being a reporter is very important for the first amendment, sir. Yeah. I'm trying to get answers from you, sir.
0: <laughs> no, it's great. I, I it's the so cornet galley dynamic is a simple dynamic that they're not I overcooking.
1: It. I love it. I love Eddie Kingston on this show, getting to show his personality you know i had a don't try and steal my heat jim was a little was a little bit of a bridge too far but um you know it really kind of revolved around one story and that was the tim storm going against the uh the dawson brothers and he and would he and eli drake be able to coexist but i like that i like the subplot with uh with nick aldis and 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 his valet slash woman slash whatever they're calling her this week um it's It's a very good show. I'm really enjoying
0: it. Yeah, it's simple. It's coherent. I loved the the final freeze shot of Eli Drake, Tim Storm, and all this looking at each other. Just that little weird tension among the one pure baby face, Tim Storm, Eli Drake, who is... Someone you like, but you're not sure you trust, which is a super fun character. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That, and that's a character that has been very lost in wrestling, and Eli Drake is is nailing that right down the middle. And then, Nick this someone you're pretty sure you don't trust, but is still acting in an honorable way. I, I love the tension at the top of the card right here.
1: What are you thinking about Aaron Stevens?
0: Aaron Stevens... I think that he's a little bit miscast in the comic relief thing. I would like him more as a foil to Nick Aldis right now, where he he's sort of the kind of counterpunch to him, where this is a guy who is a bad guy who thinks he's good, and Aaron Stevens is something more like a guy who thinks he's a bad guy but actually isn't that bad of a guy. I think that that would be more fun than what they're doing with Aaron Stevens right now. Although I will say the made for VHS segment and, and all of the edited packages are some of my favorite stuff on NWA Power.
1: Is it? Because it, 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 to me, it gets to how he's miscast. I think they want to give him the Hollywood gimmick, which is fine. And he's a great actor and he can pull it off. But the movies he's doing are so low rent, it makes him a comedy character yeah. as opposed to an important Hollywood guy. So I think there's a, there's a weird juxtaposition there that needs to be fixed.
0: They want Damian Sandow about 33% of the time. And I think they needed to have a better vision for Aaron Stevens's character. And I, I would have either made him the intellectual savior of the masses again here Or went all the way with him as an actor, but maybe not as a jerk, but like as the likable fan favorite, you've missed me and I'm here now and I'm here to wrestle and then turn him in the ring rather than turn him on the mic.
1: Well, he just appeared on Magnum PI and I don't know if they'd be able to get the rights to that, but... That would be big time, and that would really get this character over, I think. And more that's so classic
0: wrestling, too, right? Like, yeah. appearing on Magnum is a really great 1980s wrestling trope.
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. I just, I, it, it, that, you know, in a VHS pirate movie, I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, you're, you're a comedy character, and I don't necessarily want that. But there's one thing I forgot that made me adore the show this week. And I made note of it on my Twitter, and a lot of people wrote back, "Go, yeah, me too. I loved it." The kid, who is in there, and he is into everything. You know, when, when uh, smuggling Canada boy. No, no, no. The one who's like, like when somebody comes, I forgot who it was, but somebody was interviewing, and somebody comes out, and you hear him yell, "Look out behind you!" He's in it unironically. Whatever is going on, there's one kid and he's audible throughout the entire show. He's cheering for the baby faces. He's heckling the heels. It's just awesome. And that's what I want. I I want people to be affected by this as opposed to watching it with a certain sense of disconnect. And, and that kid made the show for me.
0: Yeah, you got to let yourself be in it. When you are in the studio audience, I think everyone who's involved in those tapings, and it seems like everyone's going with the flow on this, everyone in the audience is part of the show, and they need to be going along with the product here. And I I would have no problem with MWA was uh, making sure that people were not trying to go into business for themselves when you have such a small audience.
1: Yeah, the best part of any, if you ever go to a women's wrestling show, If there's like an eight year old girl and she's really into it and she's heckling heels and booing, it just makes it the time of your life. And I, I, I want that for every show and, and, you know, the problem is the main roster has become so cold and I don't want to say corporate, but it's like, you know, everybody kind of sits on their hands. You don't really get to hear people screaming. You get to hear like chants when they get audible and a microphone can pick it up. You don't, you don't get that low rent aspect of wrestling that you do with NWA Power Hour.
0: The other thing I really like about NWA Power Hour is that everyone babyface and heel is largely trying to antagonize one another. Yeah. Regardless of which side of the ledger you're on. So Ken Anderson and Colt Cabana and James Storm and Josephus This is all just people antagonizing each other. It's not necessarily turning anyone baby face or heel. And I I like that. I like just having this be a place where you have competitive people constantly trying to get the better of one another because there's only one title.
1: AEW, real quickly, I think their commentary has found their groove. Excalibur is now handling most of the play-by-play JR is there to add emotion and tension, and Tony is there mostly to push storyline. Really, you think they
0: found their groove this week? Because, like, JR seems utterly disengaged. Yeah, no, he sounds. There are definite points in this show where it feels a bit rocky. Uh, At one point, Excalibur uses the phrase laconic and sloth like. (laughs) And now, don't get me wrong. I, I like Tony ribbing Excalibur, and I think that came off as good natured and was well intentioned. But when you had the dog pile of Tony and JR going after Excalibur for laconic and sloth like, I'm like, guys, shut up and just call the match and put over the phrase, go, oh, Excalibur, what does that mean? Let yeah. Excalibur say that and move on rather than. Make yourselves the center of attention needlessly because I don't even remember what match that was. Actually, no, I do. It was uh, Orange Cassidy, but I no, think it, was a, more... it was
1: best best friends versus Young Bucks.
0: Oh, see, there you go. Okay, yeah, Orange. But they were referring to Orange Cassidy yes. in in that little beat of commentary. But I had to work backwards on that, right? Like I had to think about that commentary line and really what happened between those guys and why did that happened. Oh, yeah, Orange Cassidy, who is still no, <S. <S.> kind of a myth still... for me.
1: JR still sticks out like a sore thumb and the cranky act. And he's not endearing himself on his own podcast about criticism. Tony is having the time of his life. If you go back and watch AEW dark from this past week, Taz and Excalibur are having a blast on commentary, which it just seems like JR is the guy at the party. Who's not going to have any fun. That's who he is now. He's, he's me. No, (laughs)
0: well, maybe he'll go home early and catch up on some wrestling.
1: I just, uh, yeah, I, I mean, both Wednesday night shows were great, I thought, in their own way. I, I do. I, I really enjoyed the hell out of both NXT and AEW. So I, I don't go into the Wednesday Night Wars. That's a job for Garrett Kidney over on his show on Voices of Wrestling. And you can also listen to uh, Everything Elite, which I believe drops every Thursday. Our Happy Warriors. Our Happy Warriors, yes. Um. Back to the main roster real quick. Because there were some things that happened on Raw that I think you'd be interested in, but I don't know if you saw. They debuted Umberto Carrillo. Did you see any of this? Yeah, okay. He was kind of dressed like a
0: Power Ranger. I, I, he was I, I,
1: dressed like a Power Ranger. Yeah. Did you see the promo he cut
0: that yeah. led to the match? Oh God. That that was really rough. They they don't Thank understand. You. What this guy's character is. He looked like the Ole version of Seth Rollins in the black outfit, and, and he healed on Seth Rollins. Yes, he did.
1: He absolutely healed on Seth Rollins, and they tried to fix it on commentary, and they couldn't, but he called Seth Rollins an arsonist. He called him an arsonist. You can't get around that.
0: Well, and the guy's tagline is burn it down, and he keeps saying yeah. he's going to burn it down. That's arson
1: yeah but but you can't well i'm not gonna i'm gonna be a champion you can be proud of not a guy who burns down houses or something and that's a that's a diss and you can't get you can't have your your white meat dimple-faced baby face trashing your baby face champion
0: did they I, give up just... on turning seth rollins because it felt like a couple few weeks ago that they were at least flirting with the idea of maybe turning seth rollins at some point i don't
1: think him. i think it's that it's that it's that instinct from from vince to you just know just alpha S- mailed sh- them alpha mailed them yeah god and then the match i look i i've been at this with fans from today's generation over and over again i don't think you get anything by l- making a guy lose in his first match even if it's against the champion Because, again, it's about TV stars. People want to see winners. That's why teams that do better get more national television time than the Cincinnati Bengals, who suck. Okay?
0: Well, it's also about stories and wanting more. And when you see a guy go down admirably in defeat, beyond everything else, the story is over. You've now seen the beginning, the middle, and the, and the Rocky-like end. end, exactly.
1: Yeah, because it's not like he was de- he debuted against a guy, got a quality win, and he's on his way up. And the champ goes, hey, I remember when I was like you. I'll give you a shot here at the title. It's on his first night when nobody except people who have watched 205 and his occasional NXT thing know who he is. And if you want to know how many people know who he is, Look at how the Street Profits reaction was when they came out to do the party gimmick and absolutely nobody responded. Okay, nobody knew on the main roster knew what to do with the Street Profits because they had never seen it before. They had not yet been conditioned. And if you want to tell me that that's, you know, that's normal, it's not. It's because not as many people watched them on NXT as people think watch them on NXT. The main roster has its own Fan base. And so Carrillo comes out here, gets curb stomped, gets the shake of the hand. But what do you do after that? Do you go 50 50 with a Cedric Alexander? What in the hell are you doing back there?
0: Uh, there was a thing that fell down. And do you go 50-50 with a Cedric Alexander <laughs> to answer your question here, Hawkins? Focus on the product at hand here, buddy. Okay. Yeah, you know, be a professional. Be a professional. I'm focusing
1: on you like frying chicken and, you know, having pots and pans clanking. If, clankin
0: if and... I am working <laughs> on my magic tray, you should just let a man work on his magic tray. Because that's where the magic happens, Hawkins. So oh, the Go, high Voltage coming on after this? Yeah, it, High Voltage.
1: <laughs> I like that you
0: don't even know the title. I, I should really just rename... High
1: it. No, That's no, it is.
0: really should just be called High Voltage at this point. You
1: were calling it High Voltage. Don't give me that crap. I
0: you might still call it High Voltage. <laughs> Cedric Alexander. So, like, he's a great example. So does Dimples Carrillo go and work with Cedric Alexander? What would be the point? Remember when they tried to do the whole Dimples Carrillo push with Cedric Alexander a few months ago? There is no point. You can look look at this model and now bring up a number of different examples ali cedric alexander other guy who's been on 205 live and see the yeah right there you go I, i just needed to say other guy who was on 205 live and i knew that there were two more behind him and the point is this is not a viable way of building stars and we've now seen this tried and failed enough times that we can say it's a failing model
1: like I hated the announcement of Drew McIntyre on Flair's team and then he comes out and he destroys a member of Hogan's team. That doesn't make me want to see the match more. Have him destroy somebody else and keep these guys apart and then when Ricochet and McIntyre fight it's something but he came out here and he killed Ricochet. And you're like why the hell would I want to see this now? To get him for him to get his revenge? For what? He got beat clean in the middle. I, I, I just it, it's it's one of those things where it's just like I the WWE is the star and nobody else can't is. You can get except, over.
0: Yeah, you can't get over on 6'5". the brand. Right? Actually this this mm. kind of goes back to the Wednesday night wars, right? Why is Jericho able to elevate himself so much? Despite other things that, you know, I would say should potentially preclude him from being able to be elevated as high as he is right now. um, Because he's able to attack the WWE brand sort of nakedly. And that is the biggest star on WWE's product. It's themselves. So if you can heal on the brand, if you could heal on the company itself, you can get yourself over.
1: Well, not just that. The the, the pain maker gimmick morphing into this pretentious french thing where you know lord champion and a little bit of the bubbly and all these other ridiculous catchphrases he's getting over right now i mean it it's 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 the definition of tv star cody rhodes to me is a tv star
0: little bit of the Just, bubbly is actually a fun line to say And you could actually see somebody saying it conversationally, going back to that old meme 1.0. Vince is so hung up on getting stuff over on Tout, on getting stuff over Uh on these other B-level social media websites. He forgets that the thing that got wrestling over is catchphrases. Really simply.
1: Sorry, some water went down the wrong pipe, so you might hear me cough a bit. (laughs)
0: <laughs> See, I will edit that, and I will not talk too much about the coughing because it's unpleasant. Uh, Hawkins, if if that was metal, Hawkins would be talking about that metal clanging sound endlessly.
1: <laughs> oh, God. You got buried. Beyond-
0: okay. <laughs> Absolutely. What, why do you think I have this platform, Hawkins?
1: Oh, you're right. Uh, NXT UK. Let's do that before we hit NXT, the two-hour version.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so NXT UK this week. Featured, I, I want to talk about the Trent Seven Gnome Dar match. I actually kind of liked it. I, I'm interested to see what you think. But we start off with Imperium in the ring, and Gallus makes their way out and starts introducing a little bit of antagonism on Imperium. Now, you think that Imperium's going babyface. Flesh that out. I think out. they
1: might. Okay. I think there's a chance they might. I don't know yet. But I, I did love everything about this. I do, too. I loved it. I yeah. absolutely adored it. I loved <clears throat> I love that they came out like they did last week. Imperium, that is. And they start with the same spiel over and over and over again. And here comes Gallus to talk crap. And 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 Joe and Mark Coffey were awesome in this. Wolfgang, not so much. But <laughs> until, I mean, when he spoke, you just went, oh, Wolfie. No, that But Joe Gallus. and Mark
0: Rule, those guys are they stars. Were,
1: they were so good. Just demeaning Walter and this, oh, the match is sacred. And to me, the thing that absolutely made this segment as well was when it looked like a fight was going to happen, Alexander Wolfe, psych- the psycho of the group, is like, yeah, let's get it on. It's time. He's smiling. He's nodding. He's ready for a fight. And then, later, when gallus and the and uh, grizzled young vets run into each other backstage, this this I, I love this. I just love heels being jerks to one another. I, I love do. the
0: antagonism. This, to me, yeah. is one of the important vibes in a wrestling universe that is too often. Lost. We're just we're only fighting in the ring. No, we should be fighting all the time because these guys are all jerks. And I think the Grizzled Young Veterans Imperium and Gallus dynamic is like good classic wrestling, and I I really really like that.
1: <laughs> it's it, it's just a small thing, but just the look on um oh the big guy on Grizzled Young Veterans R- remind me Zach Gibson names. Zach Gibson, Gibson's <laughs> Zach Gibson's absolute look of what in the hell are you talking about type of thing? When I forget what Gala said, but he just has this incredulous look on his face. Like, are you really saying this to us? The former tag team champions? Really? It was, the, it, it's not just that it's bad guys being jerks to one another. There's various levels of, of like high school niche in here. Like, like Imperium are the gym class bull- bullies who all play like baseball. Or they're, they're wrestlers. They're, they're the wrestling team. So they think their sport is so much more classy. And, so, and, and Gallus comes out like the football players. And they're just like, oh, really? You think you're tough because, you know, you wrestle on a mat in, in underwear and stuff like that. They're doing that. And then and then the Grizzled Young Vets are kind of.
0: They're the baseball team that has a really solid record.
1: <laughs> yeah, but nobody ever goes to see them. Right. You know, nobody Nobody in high school ever goes to watch the baseball team, but hey, we're jocks too. And we, and we win, kind of and we have the allocator. longest
0: resume of winning, even longer than Imperium and, <laughs> and Gallus, but no yeah, one comes to see us.
1: They won state, but nobody bothers to see them because they're a spring sport. That's <laughs> It's like, we won state. What are you guys talking about? You guys are the best athletes in this school absolutely love everything about
0: this no I I thought this was really fun I enjoyed for what it was the grizzled young veterans squash match because I thought Gibson and Drake (laughs) were absolutely vicious to Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter when they have Smith in the center of the (laughs) ring Smith well for his part did an awesome job selling confusion anger in a lot of pain and like made that moment really great but Gibson like behind Smith getting ready to just clobber him as drake's mocking smith and smith is getting up to just swing at drake because he can't stand being mocked and then gibson comes from behind and smashes him oh man that was great that is some good heel on babyface action
1: i felt so bad for oliver carter and ashton smith because i go I, i go man these two geeks on a tag team they can't look any geekier and then they did. And I was like, "Oh my God! How how is Ashton Smith ever going to get anybody to do that whoop thing for him? And how is Oliver Carter ever going to get anybody behind him with the clowning these guys took from the grizzled young veterans?" I, I I loved it for what it was, but it seemed to me they were instead of doing it like with local competitors or What was the name of the team the 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 hunt killed last week?
0: Oh, uh, Stokely and Howley.
1: Yeah, the the or Howley you know, the and
0: Stoker or something like pretty that. Pretty
1: boys like that yeah. you can clown and really just do a good clowning on them. Smith and Carter are now useless. I think on this. NXT Oliver roster. Carter. It
0: made no sense to cannibalize him in this position. There, they're Surely, surely, Saxton Huxley could have suffered this.
1: <laughs>
0: Joseph Connors could have been in this position
1: and taken this beating. Um, yeah, I, I, I did love it though. I love, and I, I, I love the dynamic between Gibson and Drake. Drake's kind of the raring to go. Oh, I'm going to, He he's, he's the little dog. That's
0: going to impress the big dog. And Gibson's completely in his head and they've been really consistent yeah. with this going back several months ago to where Gibson is standing next to James Drake as he's got James Drake in like a, furious adrenaline fury doing like reps and lifting stuff and it's Gibson who's like kind of cutting the promo and Drake is so revved up that he's too busy lifting to really kind of weigh in until the end I I think they've done a good job keeping that as a consistent character beat for these guys
1: Drake is in need of Gibson's approval at all times he's needy because he's the weak link of the team but he's also he's, not he, the
0: weak link of the team, too. Yeah, we, but he believes he's the right, weak link of the yeah. team.
1: That, that's the thing. And, and, and it, it comes out in their entire performance. And that's, uh, that's why it's grown on me. Even though I adore Zach Gibson, and I would love for him to be a singles guy on his own, this this team has grown on me Um in 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 the last few weeks because I have never been a big James Drake guy but uh, well he can wrestle kind of, he can certainly he wrestle, can wrestle and he's, he's got a
0: character he's not as visually compelling on as a standalone entity as our boy Jordan Devlin but I'm definitely seeing more in James Drake than I see in a good chunk of the roster now
1: no I would I would agree with that it was just one of those things where I had seen him live on a few progress shows and I was just like eh okay he's British Hesher, James Drake, or something like that. He, his promos didn't do much for me. I just going, kind of, okay, he's a guy. He's a guy who acts like a heel pro wrestler. But here he actually has a character he can sink some teeth into. I think that's what's gotten me over the hump with him.
0: Sure. Then, next, speaking of getting over the hump, El Aguero and Travis Banks <laughs> uh, could not quite get <laughs> over the hump here and got stuck in a embarrassingly stupid double pinfall.
1: That was the most, we have an idea. Let's see if we can execute it and make it believable. And they couldn't. And you're just like, yeah, uh, and this match went on for so long.
0: That was the didn't. weirdest part is there were so many near falls and so many beats in this match. It's, Unnecessary it's, beats. I think this is all ultimately in service of flipping Liguero. I think that's why we're doing all this, because he seemed to be the more frustrated of the two after the match.
1: I just loved your comment when I said, I'm watching Travis Banks and, and Leguero, and, and you go, best of seven.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a best of I three, see- <laughs> at least.
1: I mean, even you weren't interested in, in it until I said, well, you got to see the preposterous ending to this match.
0: At first, though, when you said that, I thought you were talking about that as the finish to the best of seven series. Oh, okay. And that's why I was like, thus forcing a pay-per-view caliber match eight sudden death match. Eight between sudden death. Yeah, <laughs> and Travis Banks.
1: Tell you what I did like, though. I liked the Zaya Brookside promo.
0: What, what did you like adorable. about it?
1: I th- you know what? I, it, it's like, hey, I lost, but you know what? I'm not done yet. You know, It was it was such a pure babyface promo.
0: I liked it's the amazing. zoom in when she did the tiny fingers. Like, I was this close, was and this they close. zoomed in. Yeah. I thought that was a yeah. nice little beat of editing yeah. that helped. It helps her character.
1: I still maintain that I would have her beat Shayna, but that's me. <laughs>
0: I'm not, I'm not <laughs> I there yet, but I, I definitely think with little editing beats like that, having her video packages and her backstage stuff be a little cutesy, I think would yeah. go a long way to get her over as the I cute, agree. adorable character that you want to see win.
1: Yes, because there's a natural inclination for wrestling fans to hate that kind of character now.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and making that character fun for wrestling fans who might be naturally inclined to hate them. You know what's a great way to do that? Good catchphrases.
1: Yeah, and and uh, you can see what happened with a lot of male fans and Bailey. It's like when she came up from NXT and she was a pure good guy. There are a lot of male fans who are just lived through grunge and jaded and stone cold and alpha maleness. And uh, uh, why is Bailey? Uh, she don't like good characters. Uh, that's my impression of him. Hate him. Uh, I mean, yes, I blame no, I, at I,
0: least I, as much of that on the way she was presented on the main roster too. She though. was
1: presented like an idiot. Yeah. I get that, and you can't get behind an idiot, except for except for her debut on Battleground, which which should have made her into a giant star, but now we're going to get emo Bailey for the next few weeks. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, no, I think Ziya Brookside, if you do some of these promos on to her leading into an NXT run on USA, I think she'd be over like Rover.
0: Trent seven and gnome dar were in our main events. I, like this match i thought that this was good gnome dar i'm not a big gnome dar guy i think you and i are both kind of historically sort of down on gnome dar as an in-ring performer and like him more as a backstage character but i liked the story that was being told in this match of gnome dar trying to beat trent seven essentially with his own leg
1: yeah and we both love trent seven as as just one of the best the bumps
0: this guy <laughs> the, was taking.
1: The guy to get heat on is Trent Seven because he's such a great baby face in his comeback, too. I, I yeah, um, I'm with you. I really like this match quite a bit. Uh, Noam Dar is a guy who's great up until the bell rings for me usually, but I did like...
0: And, and he was th- good in the ring this time, which yeah, is what made this the, good, the yeah. Match,
1: yeah, the story of this match was, was pretty darn good, I thought. And Trent Seven, as a pure baby face is probably the best for me in terms of the NXT UK guys. I love Pete Dunne, and I love Tyler Bate, even though they're now both going to be on the main show. But the show's in pretty good hands if you have Trent Seven as the face of it.
0: I think you and I have been very fond of the idea of Trent Seven as the Dusty Roads of NXT yes. UK. Uh, and I yeah. think that this is a great example of... The type of matches that you need your Dusty of NXT UK to have, and and now the question is going to be, what are we building off of this? Because there is an important note of follow up here. In order to make this whole beating Gnome Dars a really big deal for Trent Seven thing, this has to be the start of something else. I would agree. All right, let's move it over to NXT US now, shall we?
1: Great show. Yeah, I thought this two hours was a lot of fun. Uh let's start with the main story coming out of it because I have questions for you, okay um is number one is Finn Balor a heel or is this alphaness?
0: I think Finn Balor is a heel. I don't know that the writing team has decided yet whether or not they want him a member of the undisputed era. Oh, I don't
1: think it's that i don't I think he's gonna make his own faction if anything um. Maybe another, maybe Balor Club finally comes to NXT four years later. I could see Damian Priest picking him up on the shoulders like Bad Luck Fale used to in the early New Japan days. Um, But, but this was my other question, and, and it goes to whether or not there's planning in NXT or this is going to become Monday Nitro. Was the turn just for a turn's sake to get people talking, or was it? let's say calculated, for example, Finn Balor's entrance is way too big for full sale to make him seem important. Is this a calculated cooling down for the period of time that they're in full sale before they can get out of full sale, which won't be till the beginning of the year and get into arenas again and then they can turn him baby face again? Or was it just we need something for people to be talking about? Let's turn Finn Balor heel.
0: So, When we talked about Tommaso Ciampa's return, which was coinciding with Finn Balor's return, our complaint was that there were too many people going after Adam Cole's title and too many babyfaces going after Adam Cole's title and they were going to get in the way of each other's storylines here. I think that maybe they had plans initially to keep Finn Balor as a babyface, but at least as, as early as that week they had started to reassess, are we going to actually make Balor a face here in NXT? And you saw breadcrumbs of that with my future is my past. I think the, the easy, yeah. lazy way of reading that is, oh, he's coming back to NXT UK. I think you are probably more on the right track here. He plans on remaking a faction. This is why I actually see him ultimately joining Undisputed Era. I don't think it makes a ton of sense to have a second faction to feud with the Undisputed's. I think it makes sense to have a weird tension between Adam Cole and Finn Balor that goes unresolved for several months. How about Imperium? That would also be interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, Walter. I, I, yeah, no, I, I, Walter
0: and Finn Balor. That kind of tension. Uh, also, just the visual of uh, Finn Balor riding out on Walter's shoulders would be fun.
1: I'm I'm in for that. I mean, I originally thought that that Baron Corbin was going to be a member of Balor club and that he and Samoa Joe during the dusty tag thing, we're going to turn and join Finn. But yeah, no, I think Finn Balor is going to be a guy. They've been hinting at it for years about him join, making a bullet club like faction. I think they're going to have Balor club.
0: They already have the OC though. I don't know that it makes sense to have another blank club. So they're gonna have to do something else. I I, I don't know what that is. Maybe, maybe they do even end up making Bower Club and bring down the OC to feud. That could be cool. That actually would be more interesting than anything the OC's been doing on the main roster. So I'd be I in would favor agree. of that. Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. Why not? Um, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair was 1992 WCW Barbarian versus Vader for women. I it was a house match. It was a Haas match in the women's division, and I loved it.
0: Yeah, no, these two really, really worked during this match. Um, I, my only criticism of this match is I would love more tension and more story for Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair or for it to feel like a more important narrative beat. Because for the amount of work that these two put in the match, I don't like the idea that this will just be kind of forgotten in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think they're trying to kind of do a little bit too much here involving Candace and EO in it as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely but at the I, end. Definitely. I loved I loved the EO attack on Bianca though or on uh on Rhea. I loved you know the uh I forget what they it. She was call trying it. to be I, a ninja.
0: I, she was doing the uh 619. Well, the six, and, I said
1: 619, but they call it something else. They call it like the tiger tiger kick or something like that, but but the way that went down, it was so smooth. And then and then Io ducks beneath the ring apron so that she can't be seen after throwing in Rhea. I thought that was slick as hell.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love like that. that. No, I, I like that because that also protects the referee as well. It makes the heel look more heelish. It protects the officiation of the match. And it's all just very narratively consistent. It also gives a reason for Candice to come down and also then for kind of additional confusion and m- miscommunications to happen between the two baby faces.
1: Yeah. Um Rhea has it, whatever it is. Um I just it, it's so weird because she has she has WWE babyface problem in terms of the the mosh pit kid is a heelish character as a babyface, and she does the sneering still. She does, you know, the, the black, the leather, everything screams heel, but she's a baby face. I don't mind writing this for a while. I, I think it juxtaposes toughness between her and Shayna a bit, which is fine. I think she's probably going to be the one to de- dethrone Shayna. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to do something like an elimination chamber with all these women, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think you're probably right. I think she does end up being the one who dethrones Shayna. The unfortunate part is I think she then almost immediately becomes a heel again, and it's probably time for a babyface champion in the women's division. I would agree. Next, we have Matt Riddle versus Cameron Grimes. I don't get this. I like. I don't get feeding Cameron Grimes to Matt Riddle. I would have kept his undefeated streak going much, much longer.
1: I agree. Um, Cameron Grimes. I I love him. I love Trevor Lee. I think he's just fantastic. I just to me in a in a world of cosmetically more cosmetically gifted wrestlers. He sticks out as a guy you don't respect for his athleticism, but he's absolutely fantastic. And he's obviously built up his body from when I first saw him. It just doesn't transpose on the screen a bit. And being hairy kind of doesn't help him either. But I thought this was great. I mean, I, I I think he I wish he'd gotten a little bit more offense, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, no, I I think he needed more offense. I honestly think that he should have been in control for most of this match, and then Matt Riddle gets the victory out of nowhere, kind of turning the tables on Cameron Grimes, the guy who's been getting all these victories out of nowhere. But uh, yeah, that's the problem, is we're still stuck in this WWE trope of, well, he looked good in defeat. No, he didn't.
1: Yeah, and, and they were doing that a lot on all these shows this week is, well... He gave a good effort. That means he's a star too. Eh, not so fast. Um, I did like the setup for the Grimes uh Trevor uh or Tyler Bate match. I Yeah, I, I you know I like that.
0: I thought that was fun. Yeah,
1: you know, he he's a classic whiny you know I don't want to shake hands type of heel after defeat, which is fine, and then, then there's a baby face laughing on him who just punches him in the face.
0: See, like, that okay. was my problem though, is there's a little bit of uh Yeah, he wasn't a good sport in defeat, but sometimes, especially when you've been on a hot streak and you've been kind of rolling, right when you acutely lose, like, Riddle kind of forces the issue, in a way, if you think about it, like... He makes it seem like he's being cool and your fist bumping. But what Matt Riddle's really doing with that spot, and this is not like what they're putting over on the screen, but what I think about subtextually is forcing the other person to have to come to terms with the defeat on his timetable. It's actually kind of heelish.
1: Yeah. The jackhammer. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they definitely made a point of that on commentary.
1: Have you seen that interaction on the Goldberg uh, documentary on the network?
0: I have not, but uh, clearly they're doing something here.
1: It's—I can't tell. It—it's so Matt Riddle that I can't tell if it's contrived and it was created for the documentary, or if it was actually just a moment that was caught there. But just Matt Riddle, hey, bro, big fan, bro. I'm not your bro. Sure thing, bro. <laughs> They gotta have Goldberg Matt Riddle at some point. They gotta.
0: No, I I think that that might be a thing at some point. I think part of that is gonna have to be Riddle as the heel, right? It's not gonna work if Goldberg comes in as the dad babyface just like beating up Matt Riddle. I, I I don't actually see that dynamic working as well with Goldberg as the heel. Then we had Isaiah Swerve Scott and Breezango versus the Forgotten Sons.
1: Uh, look, we can trash the Forgotten Sons. I'm not going to trash the Forgotten Sons.
0: I, I, we've done it so many times.
1: No, but this was perfect for what it was. It got the new guy over on a bunch of grizzled heels who nobody really cares about, but you can beat on and get a guy over doing that. I, I, I thought this was perfect. I, too often when they do this type of thing, it'll be somebody else in Breezango getting the pin. On the main roster and it's like oh look because they did this with uh, raul mendoza and umberto Carrillo, where they introed raul mendoza made him into a big deal and then let umberto Carrillo get the pin uh they did this with bailey where bailey gets the debut at, at battleground which we had talked about but sasha banks got the pin for her team it's like no when you introduce the star or the guy that you want to make something into it you let him get the pin i thought that was a perfectly fine match
0: I didn't like it, though. You didn't? I didn't think it was... There's nothing to get me excited about Zongo and their storyline and the Forgotten Sons and their storyline. So, yes, six individuals came in and had a well-worked television wrestling match, but there's no story to actually get me invested in this match. So why am I watching it?
1: You don't like all the Top Gun jokes Beth Phoenix was telling? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Jeff, I have important things to talk about. Angel Garza had a match with gentleman Jack Gallagher.
1: Yes, they did. Um, Jack Gallagher is going to be the guy that makes other guys look good.
0: Yeah, gatekeeper guy. I like Angel Garza. This is a small note, but I think the little logo that they came up for for Angel Garza is really cool looking. I don't know if you I miss this. Yeah. What is okay. It? So, Angel has like the halo over it and everything, and it looks mostly sweet. But there's like a little devil's tail at the end of the A on Garza. So you've got the angel and the devil thing kind of going on in his logo. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. I, I just nice touch. Simple works really well with this character.
1: I am amazed that they haven't been able to rebuild Jack Gellar.
0: I really am. Yeah, he seems like a guy who should be able to get over fairly easily with the crowd. And I'm not saying go back to the umbrella stuff, but this guy's a naturally likable guy and a naturally sympathetic guy and has good facial selling.
1: Go back to the shirt and tie Jack Gallagher, the Tony wrestling Jack Gallagher would then stripped down to wrestle in the classy Jack Gallagher type, I think he'd be much better off.
0: Yeah. And he also let the guy talk. I, I think, yeah. you know, one of the big failures to relaunch this guy as a baby is This is a guy who does need to get in front of the crowd, have kinetic moments with the audience and connect with the crowd to get them behind him again. Cause his, his match style was good. He also is someone who would benefit from um, enhancement matches Like, he he needs to stretch out some goobers. (laughs) Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai defeated Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir. My big note from this match, Jeff, is I kind of like Marina Shafir. I think she's got a cool style.
1: Oh, I do, too. I think she's the best of, uh, you know, best of those two.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure.
1: And I, I used to like her a little bit better than than Shayna, even, because I, I think she has a much more she was much better at mixed martial arts than Jessamine was when she was in it. Um, I, I famously went to her first big debut and where she lost, unfortunately, which was kind of sad. But um, I thought this match ended rather shockingly and short, which surprised me quite a bit. They didn't let it drag on that long. They just let Tegan and 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 Dakota, Team Kick, we finally got a Team Kick, uh, get a quick win. And I thought that was fine. I thought, okay, cool. And then, you know, we're going to get a women's tag team match on NXT, which is something that Sasha and Bailey had wanted as well.
0: So I think and, we rushed this a little bit. I think that Team Kick needed to have a goober squashing. The week prior to get that. over their actual style, because what is Team Kick's finishing move? True. What is their signature me... spot? Not not I just finish, you know the beat before the finishing move. What is that? How do I know when we're going home in one of their matches? Right now, I yeah. as an audience member have no idea.
1: You could have taken two weeks. And each of them have a squash match, one at the beginning of the show, one later in the show.
0: Uh, yeah, actually, to that you know, point, too, Marina and Jessamine are overdue to actually kill somebody because they've been presented as you know, Shayna's henchwomen and people kind of in the League of Shayna. And their win-loss record does not belie that. And I don't know that we've ever seen Marina and Jessamine really just toy with two people.
1: Yeah, I. you know what? You, this is going to blow your mind. They haven't had a match on TV. In almost a year, and they haven't won.
0: I knew it's been a long time, time and they and they've never won. That the last tag yeah. match that they had, they were dispatched in relatively short order.
1: I, I think the one match they won was a combination of Shayna and Marina, not uh, not Jessamine and Marina, or it was a six person or something of like that effect. There was definitely
0: yeah. a match where Jessamine was in it, uh, but they didn't win that match, and they didn't look strong in it. And yes, those two are overdue to be kind of demonstrated as sub-bosses for Shayna Baszler. And right now, they definitely don't feel like that.
1: Your overall note is solid. You know, just take a couple weeks. Have both teams kill another, you know, local competitor match. You know, bring in Amber Nova or bring in, you know, people that aren't, you know, you're not using from week to week. Have them. Not
0: Caden Carter. Stop beating up Caden not, Carter.
1: Yeah, not Caden Carter. Anybody but Caden Carter. But, you know, you, you have... You know, you have Tegan and 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 Dakota beat up the hires.
0: Yeah, you know, and you absolutely, have, absolutely, and like scare the hell out of them. And the kicks have Vanessa Bourne yes. cringing, and she oh, th- that's like the perfect booking, absolutely.
1: And then and then you have Jessamine and uh, have Jessamine Marina beat. You know, I was gonna say Chelsea Green and Diana Parazo because they're not really doing much with them, but I think they 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 want to save them for something. I was gonna say Casey Catanzaro, but she's not around anymore. Um, now official, I think. But there there has to be some like just white meat, you know, people just starting out in wrestling that you yeah. have these two, Yeah, that you just have these two kill. And then and then, you know, the next week Hey, they run into each other in the hall, and they're kind of jabbing, and they go, hey, you know what? That women's tag team title is going to be defended on NXT in a few weeks. Let's have a match to see who the contender is. Okay, great. See
0: you out there. And the important thing that you've done with those enhancement matches, and this is the real reason you have them, is to get over the move sequences of the two teams that are going to clash in a couple of weeks. It's not beat up four goobers for the sake of beating up four goobers. The reason you have those matches is so that when I'm watching this match this week between Tegan Knox and Marina Shafir, I know what I'm looking for. Because I have no idea what either one of those two teams' go-home spots are. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, we had the North American Championship Decided in a three-way match between Roderick Strong, Keith Lee, and Dominic Dijakovic. What'd you think of this match, Jeff?
1: Keith Lee better get a raise. Uh, he saved everyone's life.
0: And that
1: that that Tower of Doom spot that they were trying to get delayed suplex. Dude. True Doom. Dude. <laughs> I was scared to death of him. I, you know, I liked. I liked the story. I didn't love it. I mean, you knew it was going to happen where, you know, the two big guys get rid of the the runt, decide, okay, now we can fight it out. And then the runt comes in, you know, and steals a win. It's a fine story for a three-way.
0: It was, however, the only narratively satisfying outcome for this match, which made the match feel a little bit like a foregone conclusion while you were watching it. But it was a fun journey. But you knew how we were getting out of this situation.
1: I know what I want to talk about on this show that I had it down on my notes and I did not bring my notes with me for the show. These promos on NXT were dreadful. I am going to give credit where credit's due. They tried doing promos. These were the wrong kinds of promos. These were, these were, you're not talking to anybody promo. You're just kind of declaring things promo like the Dijakovic one about my bloodline is reliant on me. It's it, that's, that's movie monologuing. That's not, that's not cutting a promo and like borderline you know, super villain. Keith Lee, yeah. The Keith Lee one and the, uh, and, and, and the, uh, the, 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 the name of the champ, North American champion,
0: Roderick strong, um,
1: Roderick strong. Thank you. I can't, I can't remember names this week. Um, you know, all three of these promos were just bad. I mean, they didn't tell us anything. They didn't tell us, you know, about this match or you know how they're going to beat them or anything like that. It was it was these declarations like "I am the greatest in the entire world." The I undisputed
0: era should have been confronting both Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic yes, backstage. They should have been kind of creating some tension, going like, "Oh, we're going to be watching this match real closely, that guy." Have a good match out there, Keith. You know, I I think the idea that the undisputed era—they have all the gold, but they really need to be kind of controlling the brand and always using subtle intimidation and always they helping need to be each other out. The tone of the show, exactly,
1: because that's what great heel factions have done throughout time. Both the NWO, the Horsemen, um, and that's the what, what this Birds, match booking, the Freebirds on World Class, yeah, th- all of that. This
0: match booking lends itself to yes. the undisputed era really driving the car here because you're not gonna put the belt on Keith Lee or Dominic Dijakovic. So at the end of the day, this feud between those two is really ultimately being cannibalized for an undisputed era storyline. So go with it. Run with it. Make yeah. that the point. Yeah.
1: No, I would agree. And then and then afterwards we had the angle with the undisputed era, Gargano,
0: Ciampa, and Finn. I liked this. I thought that Tommaso might turn on Johnny. And then you could kind of see that Finn was acting a little bit different as he made his way to the ring. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, maybe Finn's turning on Tommaso and Johnny. And that's what happened. DIY and the DIY reunion, I think, plays nicely into a lot of classic babyface tropes here. We have a team that we, the fans, love. There is tension between the two baby faces in the team. How will that play out? That uncertainty is a thing that we'll have to follow from week to week. Can Johnny and Tommaso get on the same page? How are they going to get help? How are they going to be able to manage all the different forces? You're going to have the heels very much in solidarity. The babyface confederacy, um, the looseness of the babyface alliance is going to be up against the solid rock that is the heel faction. I like this. Well, we, I think we we're saying the we, table nicely.
1: We know that the DIY alliance lasts only as long as neither of them have the title.
0: Right, or neither of them are in the title hunt.
1: Well, I think being in the title hunt's fine. I think it's. I think it's up is until it? one of them gets the gold.
0: Because Tommaso Ciampa keeps talking about Goldie, and it's like a singular preoccupation. It's his reason for being back. So I actually think being in the title hunt alone is enough to introduce tension into that team, and that's what makes okay. it fun.
1: No, I, I'm I'm fine with that. I, I liked the slickness of the, of the turn, though. I liked the 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 Pele kick. I thought that was executed quite well and captured staging, very well the by, by the was camera. Done well. Yeah,
0: the staging was great. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I really liked this a lot and uh that was a solid show. Um the ratings did not suffer as much as we thought they would against uh the NBA and the World Series. It looks like uh it looks like each brand has their own fans. I think it was something like 800,000 to 600,000 or something of that effect. Um So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think everybody's saying next week is the week to really see how people have been growing and and adapting and things like that. But uh, yeah, i going to get a quick shout out real quick to our sponsor for next week. Manscaped. Um, If you use the term shake ropes, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Uh, We'll be reading that code next week, but because they judge these things by interaction and we come out on weekends, we'll only have three days. So if you're looking at buying something from, from Manscaped, I'm giving you a head start. You'll get the read next week. You'll get the hard sell next week. This week is kind of the soft sell to see if I can get anybody to to buy something uh, because they're checking to see if they want to sponsor us or not. So uh, you're we'll a man.
0: You shave. You have needs. Shake ropes twenty. Over at Manscaped. No,
1: not Shake Ropes twenty. Just Shake Ropes.
0: Just Shake Ropes. Just Shake Ropes. Yes. See, I, I got to practice a little bit more before I do the actual real plug. This is like the the dry run here. But but yeah. you don't have to be dry. You can go over to <laughs> Manscaped, use the code Shake Ropes twenty, and find no. and Shake Ropes. Shake Ropes. Use the code Shake Ropes. Hawkins, I'm going to work on this no, for the hard No, I'm going to practice week. all week. I will get yeah. it down next week, guys. Shake ropes twenty. No, it's just shake ropes. You shake ropes. Yes,
1: it's just shake Ropes. Shake ropes. Um, You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. And you can listen to Chris's political podcast, such as Don't Worry About the Government and the All in the Family podcast, which he will now plug.
0: Yes, so uh, Don't Worry About the Government. You can find that at ShakeRopes20.com. No, Don't (laughs) Worry.TV. And you can find the All in the Family podcast at Shake Ropes. Go to Manscaped, guys, at AllintheFamilyPodcast.com. See you next week. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs>